Welcome to Peter's Podcast, where we talk about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks for joining me. Today I get to talk to Wendy Newton, Yogi Raj, who wrote with Alan Finger the Tantra of the Yoga Sutras. Fantastic book. You should definitely get it. Wendy's initiated a series of workshops that constitute a course on this Yoga Sutras. We got to talk today about Pada 2, the second part of the Yoga Sutras, which is about practice, or sadhana, to use the Sanskrit. Enjoy. Namaste, Wen. Hi, Peter. How's it going? Oh, it's good. Yeah, excellent. Mm -hmm. Got a little uh, hint of spring there yesterday. Yeah, that was nice. This morning, not some. It's. it's I, I woke up, saw the sun, and thought, "Okay, <laughs> let's go." Come on. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not quite decided yet. Yeah. That's okay. So you're about to embark on the um, next. Uh, chapter of the Yoga Sutras training. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Pada to Sadhana Pada coming up on March 30th. I believe the time is going to be um, 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And it's part of uh, the four-part series mini training that we're doing modularly. Um, so it's Part two, and for those of you who participated in Samadhi Pada, you kind of get the drill. But um, Al will be there for about an hour, um, giving us a big broad overview, and then I'll kind of follow up with the the nitty gritty details of Pada two, which is actually very exciting. Yeah, Pada two being about Kriya Yoga or the practice actions you can take to reach the samadhi that was described in part one. Exactly. Yeah. People really like Pada too because it's full of those actions. And mm -hmm. it's it's traditionally the part that we feel like, or traditionally in the last century mm -hmm. for us Westerners, the part that we can most easily relate to. It's where you find the eight limbs and you find um, the yamas and niyamas, which people kind of throw around, but most of the time, I think we walk around in a little bit of a confusion about whether what where those come from, mm -hmm. where things come from. So this is where they come from. Come from the Yoga Sutras. They come from Pada too. Yeah. They come from Sadhana Pada, which means practice. Mm -hmm. Practice, not as in practice makes perfect, but practice as in practice and all is coming. Mm -hmm. Practice has how to how to live. I forget who said that. Somebody said that. Patabi Joyce. Patabi Joy, yeah. Practice is in um, do what you can do. Show up and and do what you can and let the results follow. Practice as in, um, you know, how do you take action without getting over-involved in what you think needs to happen, your projections about what has to happen. 
um, practice as in spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so this eight limbs of yoga that's embedded within the sadhanapada is very often seen as sort of a textbook for what one does if you're going to be a yogi, if you're going to practice yoga, you should do these things. And you mentioned a couple of them, yamas and niyamas. Yes. Asana, Uh, pranayama. Yes. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Concentration, effortless concentration and... Forgot Pratyahara. Pratyahara. So it goes from Samadhi. Yamas and Niyamas, which are kind of, you know, let's see, how do I want to approach this? Let's back it up. So the Pada begins with this idea of what are the actions that you can take or that you should, that what are the actions that can be taken? to um that constitute what we call kriya yoga right what is kriya yoga kriya means actions and it it's it kind of lays out the basis right in the first sutra of like what is it that we're doing here what are the components how do we do these actions it's not just all actions sadhana right it's those actions which are directed towards this last limb of yoga which you just we just mentioned briefly samadhi right so i always say it's a book about samadhi right so you kind of leave at the door all the other stuff that you do in life that keeps you stuck in your patterns right and you say okay well that being that which is always going to be that what are those things that I can do? Like how, what are the components of those things that I can do? Or how do I take action that leads me towards this, this practice that leads me into this way of living? And those three components are usually defined as, well, in the book they are defined, but they're translated variously. But um, discipline or the, the focus that you need to do, to do something intentionally uh, self-study, meaning self-awareness, self-reflection, and um, surrender or letting go, meaning uh, kind of relinquishing the part of the action that you can't control. And those three things, it's telling us, the book is telling us, um, right at the beginning of this pada, are they're in equal measure in any action that is considered a Kriya, right? So we're kind of like given this charge right away. Like, how are we acting? What what is our intention with it? How are we reflecting? And like, how are we seeing it projecting and getting stuck, right? And also, what part of it do we need to let go of in order to move this forward? And so that to me is like a really important basis. And then after that comes, you know, after a couple of other things, the, I mean, the eight limbs actually is it kind of at the very end of the pada, and not all eight limbs are in the pada, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of sort of discussion 
if you can call it that, <laughs> in yeah. the sutras, about what, how do we do these actions? What's taking us out of that? What, what makes it not easy for us to do that? Yeah, so it almost sounds like you're given a framework for how you're going to do practicing in the beginning, and then here's this eight set of eight things that are going to be like the different tool categories. Exactly. It's like tool categories. And also, it's really clear to me that, you know, um, this was this is a way of living. Um, it's not unique. Many cultures have ways of living that have, you know, not rules, but um, ideas around how we get stuck and how we can um, – live with intention and um you know all of these systems are at the same time very very particular and unique and individual in terms of how they language things and where they were developed in the world and when and also very universal because we're all human mm -hmm. and so um the eight limbs you know it's really cool to like take it out and have another like eight step thing to to get somewhere, you know, like the four things that you need or the six list things, you know, that are very much part of our culture, like eight easy steps to enlightenment, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. but, um, the way that I see it, it's not that at all. It's, you know, you could, you could be, this is, um, like a kind of a formula for, for living and showing up and dealing with your patterns and, kind of transcending your patterns but then still being flawed yeah and you know going around that that spiral many many times yeah because like for people who aren't so familiar with what's in the eight limbs beyond asana which is a way that you get steady in your ability to sit and do meditation there's also the yamas and niyamas which would advocate things like trying to be more pure and trying to be more honest uh, and that you gain certain things from those actions, trying to yeah. program and reprogram. But, you know, even those descriptions, trying to be more pure, trying to be more honest, um, they're, those are words that have come down through the generations, not only in the West, but also in later iterations in the East. Um, you know, this idea that, you know, of kind of ethics and morality, right? That you have to live by rules and that when you live by the rules, then you get eventually enlightened, whether in this life or the next, right? That's a very, I don't know, that's a big idea. And, um, you know, like, let's talk about, we're t you're talking about the yamas and niyamas. How do we uh, look into what patterns are already in there, right? So if we uh, use the word deprogramming, but that's a little bit, to me, that's, that, you know, it works because there are patterns in there. And when we really look at them and do our practice around certain patterns, then we end up deprogramming or changing the program that's running. Um, and then the NIAM is reprogramming, meaning creating new patterns of living that are kind of within the scope of practice, right? And so if you look at just, you know, satya, which you just 
mentioned, it's not just about, you know, tell the truth because it's good and the right thing to do, which most of us think it is. And we try and aspire to that, but we sometimes aren't able because it's not really about doing it for the reason of being good. It's about doing it for the reason of helping to deprogram those bugs in your system, those patterns, which create um, like kind of a bog in the system, right? Like when you tell a lot of things that aren't truthful, right? When you have your mind clogged with things of things to remember to not say to this person and you're, it's sort of about like how you strategize and live that way in that part of your mind in life, then you're not kind of doing though, doing that Kriya yoga actions of yoga that get you pointed in the direction of Samadhi, right? Pointed in the direction of more clarity, more uh, uh, awareness of self, more ability to take action in the world without um, kind of regard for the, or, you know, sort of tightly held regard for the, for the result that you think that you want in terms of the ego. So, you know, that's just kind of an example. It's a long-winded one, but sorry. But it, you know, it's, it takes it out of the, you know, I, I think that's a really good message for people listening is to hear that it really, in my view, isn't about, you know, morality and how to do right. We can all sort of submit to some element of external, um, you know, not judging, but, you know, um, authority about what we think should happen. But ultimately, in yoga, we're looking inside first and then seeing how that comes out. We're looking to our own places of glitch, right? Or right. bugs in the system to, to work those out so that we can then project clarity on the path. since I started funding Peter's podcast on patreon.com I've been a lot more aware of donations here and there radio stations are something I always contributed to but you know somebody who's got an interesting music project or someone who's got an interesting political campaign it's not necessarily a complete commitment to throw a little bit of money that way just to help that project out I would like to thank everyone for throwing a little money my way to make Peter's podcast possible. And if you haven't already and you like Peter's podcast, I hope you'll consider going to patreon.com to make a contribution of any level that you like. I also wanted to suggest that uh, it would be interesting to hear Marianne Williamson on the presidential debate stage. I have no idea if I'm going to support Marianne Williamson in the long run, but the idea of having someone who's a 
person who spent all her life thinking about things from a spiritual perspective, and to have that in the conversation is a fascinating concept. So she needs 65,000 people to contribute a minimum of a dollar in order to qualify. So if you've got a dollar, head on over to marianne2020.com and give a donation. Thanks. You know, I've, I've heard you say many times um, in talking about the sutras. Michael liked that answer. Yeah, that it's a book about samadhi and um, all of the advice or all of the, if you want to call them practices, all of the, you know, the directing in it is toward finding that experience. It's a practice for finding that experience. Um, and I would nuance that a little, I think, by saying that in the very beginning sutras, it says when you do that, you experience life this certain way. You experience yourself in this certain way. And then in maybe a preview of coming attractions for you know the next couple of workshops, at, at a certain point, there is this thing of, well, what, what do you look like when you've been doing that mm -hmm, for and, sure. and there's a fair amount of that in the bhagavad gita also this is sort of like well what does a person look like who's doing this mm -hmm. you know abhyasa vairagyam this letting mm -hmm. go of the attachment to things yeah and um it is about living you know it's ultimately about how but it's in it's sort of a reverse order instead of thinking about i'm going to try to live according to these rules so i'm living a good per good life good yeah. person it's more like find samadhi and then live from that place and you'll just be a good person right yeah well it's you know that is definitely my position and i also recognize that that's hard mm -hmm. right so so pada 2 is all about figuring out where do i stand right now like what patterns are in me now that I need to deal with and what patterns do I need to orient towards in order to move forward in my practice? Mm -hmm. And, you know, like ultimately at some point we sort of start to let go of the idea of samadhi as a goal in itself because that's, you know, just once once you start to orient towards it, you realize, oh, that would be silly. That if, you know... Like, I just remember when I was a kid and I was first coming across these ideas, I was always, I would always get stumped. I was like, got it, yes, like it, love it, feels good. And then I would get stumped at, like, and you have to give, up. like, somehow it felt like, well, what am I, what's going to happen when I get to this place of samadhi? Am I just going to, like, I am, you know, uh, you know, the movie, um, This is Spinal Tap? And the yeah. drummer just spontaneously combusts because, right. like, you turn it up to eleven or something. I can't yeah. remember the exact thing, but I was like, "Is that like?" I think it was the curse of the band that the drummers always the drummers always spontaneously combusted. <laughs> um, but I just remember like the 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 volume to eleven. But anyway, it doesn't matter what the what the movie said. But I had it in my head when I was fourteen or fifteen, just you know, hearing these things for the first time sort of not through the tantric lens. And I remember walking in the woods at, at, at an ashram one day and thinking, 
No, I just think I need to, I think I, I'm here. So like, why would I, like, how am I not going to be here? You know? And I just made that distinction in my mind. Like I hear what they're saying. And also I'm an embodied person. So, um, you know, the reason I say it's a book about Samadhi is because it became a very handy way of pulling people back out of their patterns and saying, hey, we're getting lost, right? Because people will say like, well, I can't possibly practice yoga until I have mastered ahimsa. And it's a really good sort of trope to say like, look, this is a book about samadhi. It's not a book about right and wrong, right? Because as you say, it's a book, it, how do we get to, how do we do the practice so that we can approach the experience of samadhi, which changes us? And then we're back to the beginning of the spiral and ahimsa is right there, right? Um, hopefully that becomes a little more clear the more you have the structure of the book in your mind. Which you'll get if you go to the workshop. Which you'll get if you go to the workshop. Um you know, but for those of you who are sort of somewhere in the middle there, like read it a bunch of times and are trying to sort of sort out these things, I think, um, you know, there's nothing like batting it back and forth in a group and, and with, I mean, I, I really do like to stay humble with this, but I, I definitely sort of get the nuances here because I've had to bat it around enough to write it down in some sort of coherent way. Um, and so it's just kind of like the more that you do it, the more that you sort of imbibe it and integrate it and get it in your, in your, in your bones so that you can, you know, just walk around with it without having to think about it too much. Um, so I like that interpersonal dialogue place a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's. There's something about the, um, the yamas and niyamas that I really appreciate. Um, I think I first saw it in this little book that we have called The Gifts of the Yamas, I think. Something maybe I titled this. Like yeah. It's like a little book. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But um, when, when Al and you took on that, section you did something similar with the yamas and niyamas that i thought was very profound in terms of thinking of them not as rules or ten commandments but as you know it's like the reason you would do this is because it would bring about this kind of result mm -hmm. and also i mean for me it's a simple question right it's a simple underpinning of why it's not the rules. Because this is part of sadhana pada. It's a practice. And at the very least, if you just walk away understanding that you can only do what you can do as part of your practice, and then you have to let it go and let the result happen, right? So, you know, if we're talking about whatever we're talking about in terms of like inner compass stuff or intention stuff, or, you know, like, how do I deal with myself as an emotional being, right, then, you know, 
I mean, I don't want to go into, I really don't want to go into a whole thing about religion and how religion shape, has shaped us over the centuries. But this work did not come from a place where re, like religion as we know it was operative. And religion as we know it became, it interpreted books, you know, works like this or practices like this in the way that you and I know now, right? So this is kind of like, it just dives under that a little bit. It's not that it's not dealing with the same issues, it is, right? But when we talk about practice, as in sadhana, as in pada two of this book, we have to figure out how to get, you know, underneath those parts of even our our conscious mind that's saying, well, I can't practice, I can't, I can't do yoga until I have this mastered is like the antithesis of practice. Mm -hmm. And I think at some level, we all feel that way somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Right. About this or that or the other thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a really big issue. And that's part of understanding. It even opens the it like opens the gates to understanding the yamas and niyamas just to get that. Mm-hmm. Right, and then it, that opens the gate. Right, the yamas and niyamas are like the foundational piece of practice, and we've like really skipped over them a lot in this country because a lot of people said, you know what, people won't know what that's about, so we'll just start with asana. They know what that's about. So, you know, I think that you know that was just that's fine, but I think it's really a time for you know people now are I think very much into part of us that is the emotional part, the mental part, the the soul part, you know, that how do we actually self, you know, just even self-development. Like if I feel shame, what do I do? If I feel anger, what do I do? If I have a pattern around, you know, even, you know, in my family life, lineage stuff, you know, that's been handed down to me, how do I work with that? That's part of yoga. And that's in the yamas and niyamas. And it gives us a practice. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So talk to me about the mini training that you're doing. It's a series of four mini trainings. Um, This particular series this year is um, this spring into late spring is um, on Saturdays, usually in the afternoons. Um, And it's one afternoon per per pada. There are four of them. So... um, the way that we've structured it is that Al will come in towards the beginning and kind of um, give us a kind of a broad overview um, and kind of initiate us into the the learning. And then we'll take it from there and we will um, just really go through the pada. Um, I've I've tried to make it so that we can do some reading and some partner work around reading, which I know is a little unusual, but it's um, it's really relational, right? And then also some uh, a little bit of of uh, interludes of practices that might help us to integrate. Right, what we're what we're hearing in our heads, so we're not so much in the vritti, in the mind um, action and activity, because we all get a little bit sparked slash charged around stuff, and um, 
and then we'll kind of come out with a uh, a renewed sense of how we can embody this for ourselves as practitioners um, and as teachers, right? If we're teachers, um, so that we can kind of like refresh our, uh, I think of it as like sinking back up to the mothership because it all does begin here in the Tantra, in the Yoga Sutras. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it begins in the Tantra of the Yoga Sutras, mm-hmm. but for me it does. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Wen, it's been great to talk with you about the book a bit more, and um, I'm looking forward to the um, mini training part of two. Yeah. And uh, and uh, just in, in, breaking in here, part of three and part of four um, will come in, probably in May and June. So look out for those dates as well. Excellent. I'll get them on. I'll get them out as soon as I can. So it's out there for everybody to see. Yay. Yeah. Well, cool. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. Have a great one. Thanks. See you soon. Namaste. See you uh, like in a second in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. I'd like to remind you of a couple of things before I uh, sign off. One is, I have a new class at Ishta Yoga on uh, 11th Street near Union Square. It's at 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. So if you're around and you'd like a yoga class, please come. We always do a fair amount of uh, moderate asana and a little meditation at the end. Uh, That's in addition to my regular class on Wednesdays at 6.45. I also teach at 12.30 on Thursday days and teach meditation class on Saturdays at 9.30 in the morning. So you can check that out and sign up at ishtayoga.com. Also, please support me on Patreon, and please rate the podcast if you like it so that other people will be able to find it in their own little searches for interesting things to listen to about real yoga, actual happiness, and deep living. Thanks so much. See you next time. Namaste. Namaste.